0: right, all right, Uh, day 288. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors Podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so today, man, we are in the book of Ephesians. And um, man, I I was just uh, sitting here right before I uh, record, um, just thinking, like, uh, you know, there's just some texts that you come to in scripture that you just realize, man, there's no way. I could exhaust uh, all of the riches that are present in this text and uh i'm just looking at the first three verses i mean out of the first three uh chapters you know what i'm saying today and it's like wow like wow god like there's no way a human mouth you dig what i'm saying can unpack everything that is here but nonetheless we still gonna dig in and try to see what we can glean from this beautiful and rich tapestry uh, of a letter that paul has penned to this church that speaks oh my goodness that speaks volumes today to our hearts and to our souls to believers everywhere in the world so Ephesians is this prison letter pinned by Paul right prison letter penned by Paul that was not an attempt at alliteration it just happens um, to a church or a group of churches about uh, which the book of Acts says he stayed with three years now remember my man Paul was a gospel globe trotter right? he literally traveled the globe preaching the beauties and riches of the gospel once he had that Damascus Road experience and these Ephesian uh, churches or church He preached the gospel to them. And now he's writing this letter to them. And this letter is about a cosmic, a global universal view of the triune God, the the, the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, his plan for the world, his plan for the world. And this is the gospel story. And this gospel story is brought to bear in the world through God's grace, right, given and extended towards humanity, right, in the person of and work of Christ. And this letter is split right beautifully down the middle between the gospel indicatives, what God has done in the gospel, right? Primarily what God has done in the gospel, right? Um uh, uh and, 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 and the gospel imperatives, right, in four through six. So one through three is about what God has done in the gospel, and four through six is how we live in light of what God has done it is speak and it speaks powerfully man about the nature of the church too that's something else that's really really beautiful in this text the nature of the church how the church has been created by christ right and how the gospel is about the power of the holy spirit working in and against the powers of darkness i know that's so much but we're gonna hop right into ephesians chapter one ephesians chapter one Paul starts off in typical letter format, and we can argue uh, when he goes to uh, 1, 3 to 14, we have one of, if not the most, if not the best, uh, uh, beautiful uh, uh, sentence in the Pauline corpus. So verses 3 to 14 are all one sentence in Greek. Right. And what we see here is what Paul is going to do. He's going to like lay his skeleton out, which he'll unpack and add meat to and flesh to kind of later. Right. And we see this grand narrative of salvation history uh, briefly sketched out in this one run on sentence that extends all the way back to eternity. Chief. No, no, no. To eternity. In other words, what the gospel is about is about what God had planned in eternity coming to bear in time. Like this is so big and it should have us hype and excited and on fire and bold because because this is an eternal plan that god has had locked away for ages and has come to bear in space time and history and there's so much that could be said about 1 3 to 14 but the main thing man i want to show you fam is that the father has this plan that is grounded in eternity and the son hear this comes to accomplish accomplish that plan in time and the spirit Applies that work of Christ to us by uniting us to Jesus and providing us with the benefits He merited and won on our behalf. Blessed is the God and Father, verse 3, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. Check this, in Christ. What Paul will do is proceed to expound these very heavenly blessings that we have in Christ. And I love the very first thing he expounds. You see it, verse 4. Look at verse 4. For He chose us in Him. Right. Still in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless. I love this in love before him. Listen, the foundation, I love this, the foundation and grounding of all that the story of the gospel provides for us is rooted in love. If you're anything like me, you love the big lofty theological ideas, the deep things of, of God and the text and theology and Bible and exposition and ex, exegesis and all this stuff. But the most simple thing about the gospel and yet the most profound thing about the gospel, which Paul's going to get at in uh, Ephesians 3, is that God loves us, fam. And, and that he loved us before we even knew that he loved us. And he loved us before there was even a, a world that existed. And I love what, what one theologian says, uh, uh, Gerhard is false, old Princeton theologian, fire, read everything he writes. He says, um, he says the best proof that he will never cease to love us lies in that he never began. He says, the best proof that he will never cease to love us lies in that he never began, fam. God loved us before the foundation of the earth, fam. This eternal love of God is something that is impossible to wrap our heads around and something with, with which will impact for all of eternity. Paul goes on to talk about how the love leads God to elect us, adopt us, forgive us, redeem us. And all of this happens in Christ. So in other words, like we said before, no, no, no. Like you have to be engrafted and folded, united uh, uh, and in union with the Messiah to receive these blessings that God has for you. And then I love what he says. And 110, he says, I made, he made known, talking about God, to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time. I love this, to bring everything together. That's one word in Greek. In Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. In other words, what God is doing isn't just personal. It's not just about you, me, my Bible, and the Holy Spirit in a room locked away. It's cosmic. It's about the entire universe. Christ is this sovereign king that is the head of the universe who is going to restore the lost unity and harmony between heaven and earth as the two will be reconciled. And guess what? This has partially been revealed, Paul's gonna get into this, in the unity and reconciliation of Jews and Gentiles, which he will get into. But in other words, the people of the new age, the oneness that is present in the church, as a reflection of the reintegration of all the things of the world the entire universe at the consummation of history and paul is saying this thing is so big chief i don't even know how to say it he said no no history hinges turns and unfolds and orbits around all that god is doing in and through his son jesus the messiah and he's going to say it's all about the messiah no no history is orbiting around him And he's going to go on to say, no, no, like this is according to God's sovereign will. This is his plan. And it's to the praise of his glory. God does all of this, this magnificent and fully incomprehensible thing. Yes, because he loves us. Yes, because he wants us. Yes, because he wants to forgive, but also so that he will be eternally glorified, praised, lifted up and exalted. Right. And So Paul moves. He can't do nothing but pray. Like we, like us, we should be praying right now. He Paul moves on, and he has moved to pray. And What does he pray though? I love it. Oh, I love this. He says that the that they will have the spirit hear this, who gives wisdom and understanding. Now, if you know your Bible, that's Isaiah chapter 11, that, that, that prophesied about the coming of the Messiah and that he would have a, a a spirit of wisdom and understanding. Paul says, because you are in him, because you are united to him, because you've been engrafted into his life, you can have the very same things. I wish I had time to talk about, you know, union with Christ means what's true of him will be true of you. That is true of you now, uh, partially, but will be one day fully. He's gonna get into that in chapter two. And three but he says no no like I want them to have uh, a spirit who gives wisdom and understanding understanding of what Paul understand of what he says the hope we have the glorious wealth of the inheritance we have and the immeasurable greatness of his power God's to us who believe in that same power that I want you to have that same power he says check it God exercised already <laughs> God exercised his power by raising Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand above the powers and rulers and authorities i love what paul says he says i pray that the eyes of your heart fam he says i know you can't see this with your naked eyes but i pray with the eyes of the heart you will be able to experience this right experience this beautiful thing that god is doing ephesians chapter two he spills into two and he says are you really hearing me "No, no no like are you really hearing me he says let me make it even more clear for you that same resurrection power that took place in god saving you uh, the, or that same resurrection power that took place in God, uh, raising up Jesus is the same one that takes place in God saving you You say how Paul he says Paul says you were dead. I love that language He says you were dead. He alludes back to what happened in chapter one He says no, no, you were dead in trespasses and sins. What does that mean? Well, you were incapable of coming to God having a relationship with God and spiritually unalive God had to take the initiative with his grace and his spirit and his power to make you alive Nobody raises themselves from the dead except Jesus right and as a result of that you know what you did he says no no no. you were dead and you know what you did because you were dead he says you walked according to three things the world the flesh and the devil and I love this because the early church once again aids us in reading the text if you want to if you want to be a good Bible reader read how other people read in other time periods that are not yours right and the early church were, was really good they said no no. these are the three enemies of the soul right someone, someone so far as to call this an anti-trinity right the world the flesh and the devil the, 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 the devil and we learn from Ephesians that the real Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, saves us from the anti-Trinity. So, in other words, God saves us from the world, the flesh, and the devil. And He goes, He says, "You walked according to these three things." And He says, "No." He has the greatest but in all of the Bible. He says, "But God, <laughs> who is rich in mercy." Oh, God is rich in mercy. That's he, that's Exodus thirty-four, six seven, right? God is rich in mercy because of His great love. Here, there's a love again, man. Because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ. (laughs) Notice he didn't say after Christ, not because of Christ, but with Christ. Even though we were dead in trespasses, you are saved by grace. Then he says this. He says, he also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Notice how he just said that about Jesus in chapter one. That he had been raised and seated at the right hand of the father he says we are seated in the heavens with christ jesus right now in other words fam our lives are so united with jesus's life bro in the eyes of god right in a sense fam that um it we are so seated with christ fam it is as if we are literally uh in another dimension right like we are in uh the the heavens with christ and the the things that god has for us Nobody can take from us, fam, because nobody can unseat Christ from His throne. Therefore, no one can take us out of God's kingdom seated with Christ. He says the power of God did this, and there's so much in this text. He says the power of God did this, and this is why Paul would talk about how Christ has the power over the rulers and authorities. By implication, he's like, no, no, we do too, right? The rulers and authorities are are, are the spiritual forces of darkness that that Christ has conquered in His death and resurrection. Um, and he says, no, no, you do too. Right? We share in this reign and rule of the Messiah. We talked about this in Romans. We share in the reign and rule of the Messiah. And he goes on to unpack it even more. He says, fam, y'all have been created, key word in Christ Jesus, for good works. Then he goes on, 11 to 14. He says, for he is our peace talking about the Jew and Gentile thing he says for he is our peace who made both groups Jew and Gentiles one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create there it is again in himself one new man from the two resulting in peace in other words the same way that Christ being raised from the dead was God raising up a second or last Adam remember first uh, Corinthians 15 uh, Paul says he is the last Adam right well here as well uh, because we are united to Christ and his death and resurrection notice I said we not you we are united to Christ the old Adam in a sense has died and he raises up a new one so in other words God in Christ is creating a new humanity right the personal work of jesus god creates a new humanity he'll show the implications of what this new humanity looks like in the second half of the book But 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 he says he says he sets it up fantastically talking about circumcision too he says hey all that circumcision of the flesh stuff doesn't make you god's people right why because the new age has come the age uh uh to come is now the present age where the literal tearing of christ's flesh is what makes you the people of God, not the tearing of your the foreskin of your flesh, right? But the tearing of Christ's flesh is what makes you the people of God. He says, when Christ died, that hostility died as well. In Ephesians three, he's still warming up. Ephesians three comes, and he's like, "Yo, Gentiles, no, 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 like I really believe this stuff, my G. Like I'm locked up and all that. You feel what I'm saying? I'm, I'm locked right now. But check it for the gospel, not for nothing wild for the gospel. But check, I ain't just talking. This economy literally uh, the administration of God's grace this 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 oikonomia right this this economy where we get our economy from this plan of salvation has been given to me for you by way of revelation right remember the Damascus Road right Acts chapter 9 the locus of Paul's theology flow out of Acts chapter 9 he says this in, in verse 4 he says by reading this you are able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ This was not made known to people in other generations as it is now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit what is that mystery Paul now a mystery in the Bible is not something just weird we can't know a mystery is something that was hidden and has now been revealed he says this is the mystery that has now been revealed verse chapters verse 6 this is one way to like define the gospel according to Paul the Gentiles are (laughs) co-heirs members of the same body and partners in the promise in Messiah or Christ jesus through the gospel in other words the gospel is about something that has been hidden and now revealed in christ the old testament saints as insightful as they were couldn't see exactly what has been revealed on the backside of the cross and the resurrection All Right, and the content of this mystery is that jews and gentiles all peoples of the world are both co-heirs, members of the same body, partners in the promise of Christ Jesus. And God graciously, Paul will say, commissioned me to teach this stuff. Why? Why, Paul? And this knock your socks off right here. He says this is so that God's multifaceted wisdom, right? This, this, this multicolored wisdom scholars have talked about. Uh, this multifaceted wisdom, right? Nobody could have drawn this plan up this had to be from divine wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavens. What is he talking about? Listen, he says the wisdom of God in other words, is, in other words is made known through the church unpack that in other words, <clears throat> Paul is saying salvation is about incorporation. It's about it's, it's it's about incorporation into a people, a family, and they are called the church. And in Christ's cross and resurrection, He solves two problems in one event, right? He reconciles sinners back, sinners back to God, but Jews and Gentiles to one another. He provides this real unity, which you'll get at in chapter four. Um, so 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 he mentions that the manifold wisdom of God is made known to who? Right? This is so good. He says to the rulers and authorities in the heavens remember the rulers and authorities in the heavens are the spiritual forces and powers of darkness. In other words, how does he make that known to them? What what does that even mean? In other words, he says the very powers of darkness, Are shown to be subjugated by the very existence of the global multinational uh, 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 church that exists on seven continents in the midst of 7 billion peoples in the midst of a, a, a multitude of languages right all across the earth worshiping the one Christ he says that proves that the very powers of darkness are subjugated he says no no that fact alone Proves it in, in, in light of all of the ethnic tensions and, 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 slavery and, and, all the things that we've experienced throughout history. The fact that a church exists of all these different peoples, colors, ethnic, ethnicities, nationalities, and languages is very much proof that the devil has been defeated. That's what Paul is saying in this text, right? All of us submitted to the Lordship of Christ. It just rejoices my heart to travel to different places and see people that that don't look like me, that don't speak the same language as me, all submitted to the Lord, right? He says this proves that Christ has really conquered. I love where he goes. He finishes. I'm about tired. Last thing I want to say, fam. He prays this famous prayer at the end. And he says, essentially, God has done all this stuff. And for this reason, bro, because of this great thing, man, he says, I kneel, dog. I gotta get down on my knees for this thing, cuz. He says, no, 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 I gotta get down on my knees. Before the father, fam. Because this this plan shows the manifold wisdom of God. Nobody could have drawn this up. Nobody seen this coming. Nobody. He says, I gotta get on my knees. And again, this is rooted in love. So remember when when uh when when uh verse one, verse, uh chapter one, verse four, he says this is rooted in love. And he says, I just want you to know, fam, like all of this stuff, you may not understand it fully. But if you just know one thing, fam, I just want you to know the love of God. He says, to the extent that we know and believe God's love for us is to the extent to which we grow and mature in the Christian life to a stature that is measured by God's fullness. Paul says, yo, I want you to know God's love and God's love fam." It's incomprehensible. He says it's incomprehensible. He says it's simple. Oh, but it's infinitely deep. It's infinitely deep. How much God loves you. And I mean, if I could just speak personally for a second, one of the things I've been thinking about is how much uh, I, you know, many of y'all know I live in Scotland. I don't live in Atlanta no more in the U.S. And uh, I miss my family. I miss my friends. And I just really realize how much they love me. how much i love them and even as i think about the deep love i share with so many people as many of you who may be even listening um it is but a speck of dust a grain of sand compared to all the beaches on the seashore of god's love for us and paul is saying that to the extent that you know the love of god that you are open to receiving and uh contemplating and reflecting on the love of God is the extent to which you grow into a stature measure by God's fullness uh the image of the son and some of us may be listening to this and say man it's so hard to receive the love of God because KP you don't know you know what I'm saying the way I've been treated you don't know the way that um, a father, how could you say God's a father? and when my father was terrible. How could you say all these things that God is doing and how much he loves me when I experienced a divorce, when I experienced death, when I experienced loss, when I experienced sickness, when I experienced poverty, when I've experienced this. And I'm just saying, fam, that if we could just really believe, oh, I'm just praying that God will help you believe the love of God. How much different could we filter uh, uh, life through that experience? Right? If we could just filter our experiences through the love of God, fam, everything would be different. My prayer for you today is that you would know this incomprehensible love of God that can't be experienced, hear this, alone by yourself, but with the community of faith. And this is what Paul says, with the saints. You got to experience this with God's people. And my prayer is that You will. Is that you will. Let's pray. God, we ask that we would be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the height, width, and depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge. God, would you give us that today? If Nothing else, God. Would you give us that today? We love you and we know we'll never know the extent. We'll spend all of eternity unpacking the extent to which you love us. This Jesus.